Beyond the Fence Line, a podcast brought to you by the Texas Agricultural Land Trust. Created by landowners for landowners, we're proud to play a role in conserving the Texas legacy of wide open spaces. Hi, I'm Sandra Velarde, and I lead our fundraising efforts here at TALT. Gifts that are given to TALT stay right here in Texas, protecting open space that will be here for generations to come. Giving to TALT means investing in communities, clean water, and clean air that benefit us all. Please consider a small recurring donation today and be part of that movement that is keeping Texas big, wide, and open. Visit our website to learn more at www.txaglandtrust.org support. Well, welcome back to Beyond the Fence Line. Uh, today, we're, you know, we have, uh, we're going to be talking about private property rights and, and you know, champ, this aspect of championing the rights of private landowners. And, and we have, you know, I think the perfect uh, guest with us today, um, we have Jessica Carswer uh, with, with, with TRED, with the Texas Real Estate Advocacy Defense Coalition. So thanks, Jessica, for um, joining us. Yeah, Chad, thank you for having me today. Well, let's kind of dive in and, and uh, kind of maybe share a little bit in the overview of TREAD uh, Coalition and why it was formed and, and what you guys are all about. Sure. So um, as you mentioned, TREAD stands for Texas Real Estate Advocacy and Defense. And the, the essence of it is don't tread on me. Um, and TREAD was formed in 2017 uh, from some land attorneys who were constantly fighting one-off issues with landowners and were thinking, well, why isn't there an organization that represents landowners in rural communities? And so TREAD was formed. Um, and we are member-based, nonpartisan, and then advocate on behalf of landowners at the local, state, and federal level. Um, since 2019, I came on board uh, in November of that year, and we have since broadened our scope to be uh, encompassing of rural communities as a whole. And really the, the origin of that was because of COVID, quite frankly, mm-hmm. recognizing that when people are quarantined, you know, they, they have less access and rural communities were already suffering with um, depleted resources, not enough access to certain things. So beyond what we focus on with water conservation, property taxes, we kind of branched out to encompass rural health, education, um, you know, what's happening with urban encroachment and green spaces. And um, especially since, you know, because people were not able to do what they did on a normal basis, they relied on the great outdoors. And so um, we saw a need to really, you know, have a bigger voice in that conversation. Uh, I think that's great. I mean, you know, my background, I mean, I'm uh, from rural Texas, right? I mean, not much more rural than uh, lone Texas, you know, and, and understanding that community and that uh, aspect and we're sort of kind of, uh, you know, out there and kind of forgotten a lot of ways. So I, I really appreciate you and Tread and, and uh, kind of broadening that because I think we need more voices for us for sure. Um, maybe dive in a little bit, Jessica, and maybe talk a little bit more of, you know, what are some key issues that you're working on right now? What are those hot issues 
um, kind of those, those main things that you're really focused on? Well, so uh, coming off of this last legislative session, we were very much engaged in the eminent domain conversation um, and specifically pipeline routing reform. And I'll kind of, you know, take a step back. So um, for the first few years that TREAD was, um, you know, growing and building its space, a lot of what we focused on were um, ag valuations to help offset property taxes and just other nuance issues that landowners had. And so it wasn't until the fall of 2018 where some landowners in the Hill Country received a letter of condemnation um, that a pipeline was going to be coming through. And so that kind of coincided with the session of 2019 where um, you know, some of the organizations like Texas Wildlife Association, the Cattle Raisers and Farm Bureau had been working on eminent domain reform for you know, the past six years. And so this became very heated um, because there's only one other pipeline that's come through the whole country and that was the Longhorn Pipeline. Otherwise they traditionally follow a corridor, so to speak. And the reason for that is, you know, when you're going through the hill country, there is um, a significant amount of water sources, right? You have all of these aquifers, you have karst features, you have endangered species. So to be putting a pipe in the ground was, you know, what a lot of folks saw is not the best thing to do in this particular area of Texas. So that was a hot and heavy discussion. I fortunately missed all of those fireworks. <laughs> um, but uh, we didn't really get anything accomplished during that uh, legislative session. And so when I came on board in fall of 2019, we continued to have those discussions, bring those folks back together. I, you know, learning, you know, being new into the space, what had these other, you know, peer organizations done in terms of working toward reform and what was going to be some sound policy um, for you know, pipeline routing and just eminent domain in general. So, you know, fast forward to this past session, um, we were successful, you know, quite frankly, passing a handful of bills that I thought were steps in the right direction to add in extra protections for landowners. Um, and that was just kind of in the general eminent domain space. But unfortunately, pipeline routing, there was one particular bill um, carried by Representative Aaron Zwiener um, because this particular pipeline had affected her district, um, that was squashed. It didn't make it out of committee. Um, so as far as TREAD's concerned, we see that there's a lot more work to do, but we understand at least where, you know, eminent domain at large uh, is involved. People are a little fatigued. So um, right. we're kind of putting that on the back burner for the moment, um, but we're addressing other eminent domain issues. Um, and really one of the things that's kind of popped up is um, renewables in Texas. Uh, so obviously we had broadband that passed and that's critical for what I mentioned before, you know, allowing for access to telemedicine in rural communities, access to online communication. Um, you know, we have in the healthcare space, rural communities have really struggled with staffing shortages, um, EMS and other, you know, urgent care facilities closing down. So having that telemedicine piece is really critical um, in particular because we have a young, we have an older population in a lot of our rural communities. Um, but then that also brings in the conversation of infrastructure, right? right? Which keeps us in that eminent domain space. So it's how are we going to roll out broadband? How is that going to affect landowners on their property? 
Um, but then also, you know, with the storm Yuri that happened in February, obviously all eyes and ears turned to ERCOT, PUC, you know, what, how is renewables going to be working with oil and gas um, and electricity to make sure that we don't have that kind of problem that we did before. Because again, going back to what happened with rural communities is not only were people out of water and electricity for days on end, but their livestock, their crops, um, their business and industry were severely affected by that. So, um, you know, we're just trying to stay ahead of that and, you know, not only dealing with those types of energy issues, but infrastructure at large as Texas rapidly grows and changes and what that growth means for rural communities as we see urban encroachment and rural communities kind of changing the dynamic of, you know, where they're, who they were and where they're headed. Yeah, maybe build on that, Jessica. I mean, you know, Texas for sure is seeing this influx of in growth, right? Yeah, which is leading to increased development and fragmentation, you know, across the landscape. I mean, do you have any other concerns for our landowners, you know, on this growth? Yes. So two main things that we're particularly focused on in the hill country, which is my backyard, um, are the the subdividing. You know, you have people who own ranches, um, but it sure does make it a lot easier and get a lot more money in your pocketbook when you sell it to a developer versus maintaining a crop or um, you know animals on your property. And so, it, kind of using this is an opportunity to educate developers on how to build thoughtfully with smart growth. So you do maintain some green spaces, um, encouraging landowners to maybe not sell off all of their property, um, that they could you know, develop some of it, but then perhaps work with folks like at TALT to put a conservation easement on some of it. Um, you know, Ways to continue diversification of funding for property, which the, you know, there are an abundance of other options for um, landowners who are thinking about revenue generation. Um, so the, that's kind of critical from just like this, the land perspective. But one of the other things that we're seeing in this area is an issue of groundwater, right? So last night we held a tread talk on uh, groundwater 101. And really we're going to start having a conversation about surface water meets groundwater meets weight water, wastewater, and then overall infrastructure. Um, because the, you know, the outside of Austin, San Antonio, Hill Country area, that is a, a huge region that is exploding with population and industry moving to our state. And so how do we, you know, not only conserve a precious resource like water, but what are some sustainable practices that we can implement? Um, because you know, a lot of people are who are moving to this region, they're not even from our state. So we have lots of education to do and lots of you know opportunities like this, like my tread talks, you know, other platforms that we can um, provide landowner resources and educate um, not only landowners, but these corporations on how they can work with us to um, kind of mitigate some of these things. Tread Talks is some of our educational programming. Um, Chad, you participated in a talk on conservation, um, but we essentially, that was something that came out of COVID. We, uh, we recognized that we were not able to connect with our membership 
and um, the general public, and then also educating the legislature before they got into session. So we created an online platform of educational tools and have panel discussions on all of these types of issues that are critical to our state. Yeah, I highly recommend everyone to to follow and tread and and definitely watch the tread talks. I mean, they're just um, a great opportunity to to really dive in and and talk about these issues and hear from a lot of great experts that Jessica brings in on the issues. You know, I think you know, kind of what you said, you know, is a concern, right? I mean, I'm I, I live you know in Bernie and kind of that hill country area outside San Antonio, right? And we're seeing more and more of these ranches, you know, being bought for development and you think historically on the ranch you know like you know one that just recently sold is you know about 12 1400 acres where they had one one well right that was for the home site and you know maybe the livestock pens and things just outside the home and I think they're set for 850 new homes you know so you're wow. looking at you know that water draw that you know, um, that land historically had one well and now, now what's going to happen. Right. And it's, it, it, you know, it's concerning of, of how this is going to come about. And I think your point of, we all need to kind of just sit down and have this really smart planning and, you know, see how all this kind of comes together. I think one of the other things I think that's going to happen and we've seen right from, from the pandemic, I think Jessica, we've seen, you know, probably in the, you know, last year for sure, an increase of even further uh, fragmentation because I think some of it is broadband, right? I mean, that it's a, it's a positive thing because we need it in rural America, but at the same time, uh, people realize that they don't have to sit in Austin or Houston or Dallas, right, for their job. Right, they can right. they can do their job remotely, and then they have really good broadband internet and they can do it anywhere. So, I mean, I think there's this this uh, kind of double-edged sword where people uh, felt that, you know, got closer to nature and things of that nature, which is great, right? Because we we have a population that's further removed from agriculture and, and land management and things of that nature. But at the same time, it, it's increased, I think, you know, some of these issues that you bring up and, and what your tread's looking at and trying to, to solve. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, and, and that's the interesting thing because, you know, we're, we're pro business, pro industry, but, you know, more than 90% of the land in Texas is privately owned. And not only that, it's like, what, 2% of the population. And so, you know, making sure that landowners have a seat at the table as we build out our state and address all of the growth and change is really critical. And that is really where, you know, TREAD comes in and stands out among some of the other uh, peer organizations. Because, you know, the way that we look at a landowner is it's, you know, you have a quarter of an acre, you have 2,500 acres. Everyone is affected by this change and rural communities are threatened uh, in a number of ways. And what's interesting is you know you have many urban folks who own property in rural areas, yet they um, are not necessarily aware of the challenges where they might have their ranch, their second home, and so you know these are great opportunities to help further educate those folks on the importance of green space conservation and making sure that 
you know, we don't wake up one day and Texas is one giant concrete jungle and we lose the integrity of what we think is so beautiful about our state. Right. I mean, they're great points. Right. And, and I don't think, you know, I, I think in general, we see the, the growth, but we really don't understand, you know, really how quick it is coming. Right. I mean, we're Texas is gaining what on average 1600 new people a day that are right. moving to Texas. It's crazy, uh, <laughs> it's crazy right? And, and you, you add 1,600 new people, you add, um, you know, we're losing over 640 acres a day um, of working lands, rural lands being, you know, developed in some form or fashion, either housing or, or um, you know, concrete, some, something land use change there. And I think that those numbers, I think, are actually low. Um, we haven't, you know, had a, the current uh, in the last couple of years, uh, a rate or, or research on that. So it's just, it's amazing, right? Of how all of this is coming about and how we all have to come together and, and find solutions. And there's not gonna be a one solution, uh, one size fits all, it's gonna be multiple ways. And I think, you know, one thing on that, Jessica, I mean, we're from Talt's perspective, we're really, you know, right? We're trying to keep, um, this heritage and legacy of these families and property and keeping these working lands working. And one other thing is trying to find, you know, our bread and butter is the conservation easement, right? Which is um, definitely used, but we're trying to find other tools in the toolbox to help empower that landowner. And one of the things that we're really exploring is, you know, how does these ecosystem service marketplaces layer in and, and provide extra financial incentives back to the landowner for their their good land stewardship and, a, and another means of a revenue um, generation, you know, generated for them. You know, what are your perspectives, you know, your, yours and also Tread's perspectives on these kind of free market approaches to um, environment? You know, that's something that I'm actually learning more about because I feel like, well, now that we have been able to be in person for some of these conferences, our, you know, our continued education, um, we're discovering that this is really a hot topic for everyone, right? So, you know, as, as Texas is going to be built out, you know, what about mitigation banking? What about carbon markets? Um, what are some ways that we can diversify? And, you know, that, that actually kind of circles back to the renewable energy piece. Um, right. There are some landowners who, you know, they, they have enough property where they're considering putting a small solar farm on um, pars a parcel of their land, or they are engaging with, you know, the wind farm piece, depending on where you are. And so, you know, it's my understanding that with wind farms, there is some regulation because it, they, those go through the PUC, but with solar farms, that's a fairly newer market that's popping up. Um, and again, you know, land is privately owned. And so we want landowners to have that freedom, but it's a matter of kind of, you know, scaling the levels of the freedom as it, you know, affects your neighbor who wants to have the same freedoms. And so it's, right. that's a challenge. Um, but I think that there are so many, you know, other opportunities for revenue generation and thinking about, like I said, the carbon markets and what that means. And can we create some true infrastructure around that? Um, you know, it's, it's, it will be interesting what comes of the next, you know, five years in this space. Um, and I also know that, you know, we have, uh, mutual friends who are working on conservation equity management 
and um, you know, utilizing some of this mitigation banking in order to offset uh, construction and development. And so it's it's really interesting. And you know, people are now really wanting to buy in. I mean, it's kind of like the cryptocurrency of property, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. we want. Uh, um, so you know, it's all very interesting. And that's actually something I would be curious to throw back at you in terms of you know what is TALT engaged with. You know, is there any kind of educational programming? Is there anything in particular you're focused on um, in this space? No, I think that's great. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, I've been in this space for, for quite a while and uh, developed markets and, and, and different things and still part of it. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's kind of been a sort of an aha moment for me, Jessica, in that, you know, probably seven years ago when I kind of started in this space, it, there what really wasn't any momentum, right? And and I'd go to corporations and go to different people and talk about, you know, the need and why we need this, and you know, from a landowner's perspective and through the landowner's lens, and you know, everybody's like, oh yeah, it's a great idea, but let us sit on the sideline and we'll watch and see how you, how you you know how you get this through. And then I would say in the last year, it's like you flip the switch and you have those same conversations with the same organizations and they're like, well, you know, we needed it yesterday. Where is it? Right. And it's, it's a, it's amazing um, how fast this space is changing and it's not just changing monthly or weekly. It's, it's almost daily, right. We're seeing corporations that are developing their own carbon markets. We're seeing, you know, lots of different marketplaces out there. Um, which is great, but at the same time, when you think of it from a from a landowner's perspective, it's very confusing, right? You don't know you don't know what you don't know, and right. so and you don't know the right questions to ask because it's it is all new, and so that's one thing that we see at Talt is, um, you know, we really feel like we need a a, a transparent, uh, trusted hub of resources where landowners can come and say, hey, well, you know, I'm thinking about this. Where do I go? How do I get information? And so we're, you know, working towards Jessica of trying to develop more information, um, have information on multiple marketplaces. But just as we do when a landowner comes to us thinking about a conservation easement, right, it's starting to sit down with them and and uh, understand their goals and objectives, right? From their family goals, their business goals, um, operational goals. And, and we can kind of lay down, I think, and help them say, here are the pros and cons of each one of these marketplaces and help provide the best information for them to make the best decision, business decision to, to which one is the right fit. And I think that's really, really important for us. And, you know, I think we're getting to the point now where, conservation easements and the marketplaces, these ecosystem service markets are all kind of intertwined. And it's really kind of a little bit that you were talking about. I mean, it's really about stacking all the values, right? How can you utilize the tool of a conservation easement, take that value and stack of a carbon market, maybe a water market, maybe a biodiversity market and, and get you know financial incentives on all of it and increase a premium. Um, and maybe tie that to, um, you know, some of the bag products that you're, you're producing off of your place. So it's, it's all exciting time. It's, it's, it's all new and it's, it's definitely a fast pace. Now. Yes. I'm trying to keep up. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's, uh, 
and that's what's tough, right? Is it's it is moving so fast, and then if you try to jump in, it's you know, it's a, a lot to catch up on. So that's we're trying to you know start marketing and communicating and education um, components of of rolling out um, information where people can kind of start gaining you know that confidence and understanding. So we're definitely um, uh, looking forward to helping you know landowners as we always are and be a resource for them. Yes. Yeah. And I will say I've discovered, um, you know, there are some local businesses, at least in our area, like distilleries and breweries who have come up with some creative ways to, um, you know, use sustainable practices and be thoughtful on conservation. And that's really promising. And um, I was actually at a conference the other day and, you know, there corporate social uh, responsibility has really broadened its scope to a sustainability piece for some of these larger corporations as they try to get to net zero and, you know, carbon free and all of these things, which, you know, I, I applaud them for the ambitious goals, but in, you know, regardless of how, and if we ever get there, you know, the fact that, you have a, a different mindset now, um, in particular, the people who have been moving from other states to ours are really wanting to embrace, um, at least for the most part, embrace you know, what they could do to help contribute and give back to our state and preserve our resources. And um, that is something that you know, I look forward to working with those folks on. And I'm glad that they're looking at different technologies and creative ways of um, doing such a thing to kind of offset the other piece of the folks who don't, right? Like in every industry we have, we have good actors and bad actors. And, you know, the more that you and I and, you know, our other peer organizations are out there educating folks, I think we can turn, um, you know, more actors into good ones. And that is something that I'm excited about. And I'm up for that challenge. Yeah, no, I, I think everything is, is aligning right now, right? The stars are aligning and we're seeing, you know, full value chain from the landowners and, and, you know, all the way up through the value chain to like those corporations. And um, I, I think the, the innovation and the collaboration is definitely there and will keep increasing. And, you know, from a corporate perspective, right? I mean, these issues that you and I have talked about today, are hot topics for them, right? So when we start seeing more fragmentation, we start seeing these things, it's it's alarming for them because, you know, um, if you're a General Mills, for instance, and you keep losing farmland, you know, who, where are they gonna get their wheat in the future? You know, how are they gonna produce their Cheerios, right? And and so it's it's important for them to keep our working lands working as much as it is for us. And so it's finding those avenues of how we work together, incentivize, and, and it becomes a win-win, right? Right, I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, we're already, I mean, a, a year away from the next Texas legislative session. And I know a lot of organizations are already fine-tuning their agenda, right? So uh, what will be front and center for you as we get closer to this next session? So obviously property taxes have skyrocketed around the state because of home prices. And that is an issue that we're 
looking at, you know, ways for mitigation. Um, and that, I mean, I don't even know how far we even, <laughs> we'll just have to see, you know, who all is with us in this space, which I think is going to be everyone, but thinking about how we can, um, you know, navigate what is to come. I mean, you know, we, there's, for example, you have, you know, uh, like a, apartments or condos and, you know, other like economical living that's being built in some of these areas to offset the development of your grocery stores, your restaurants, your whatever, in some of these more rural or on the outskirts of a, of a major metro. And, um, you know, and then you have people who are like, well, I don't want that next to my ranch and I don't want this. And it's like, yeah, but people can't afford to live and work in the same space. And if we want to decrease congestion and we're talking about, you know, cars on the road and travel time and quality of life, you know, you can't possibly have everyone living in Bastrop and traveling into Austin or, you know, people living, you know, like 45 minutes outside of San Antonio. I mean, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. And even though we have people who are able to work from home, you know, a lot of people are back in the office. Um, you know, things are settling down from the pandemic and, you know, the, the tide has turned. And so it's a matter of just kind of striking a balance between those two things. Um, so we'll just kind of see what comes of that. We're going to be looking at some case studies and putting some task forces together on that. Um, we're also going to be putting a task force together on this, you know, renewable conversation. Um, I think that is, that's not going anywhere. Uh, and what is happening with energy so just kind of having a watchful eye on um, the PUC and what are some recommendations that are coming out of that conversation with ERCOT and others. Um, and then, you know, what's interesting is with the, uh, like the equine space, we've discovered that, uh, you know, there's different ways in which people are valuing um, the, the work that they do in the equine space and what kind of it like is the horse a product. And so I've had some people come to me with that. I mean, really the sky's the limit on all of yeah. the different issues that we're dealing with, you know? And so I think what we're going to do this coming interim, because we're also, you know, coming up on a midterm election. We have a lot of, there are lots of balls in the air, redistricting finally, you know, getting settled that, you know, we need to kind of see where all of the, the chips lie, and then we'll probably start throwing spaghetti on the wall in terms of what would probably be the three most salient issues yeah. that we should address, um, you know, in the next legislative session. So it's, it really runs the gamut at the moment. And it's a matter of just seeing, you know, based on all of our collective research, what we think is going to gain the most traction and where we can make those small policy changes to keep not only pushing our state forward, but also making sure that our landowners are protected in the process. Wow. Yeah. I mean, hats off to you to figure out what's the high priorities, <laughs> you know, because yeah. there's so much on that. And uh, so, you know, I, I I guess, Jessica, a question too is, I mean, I think that's a, from a state perspective, I mean, is there anything like on a national perspective that it's hot buttons that you're looking at that could you know, kind of trickle down back to Texas. Yes. And so, you know, I think it's important to be keeping an eye on the build back better. Uh, you know, we have, they're looking at, um, you know, reconciliation package, this infrastructure package, and what does that really mean for our state, right? So, you know, will we see, will we see more money for renewable energy? Will we see 
more money for roadway and transportation improvements, um, or just funds to address our overall infrastructure to contribute to that relieving congestion, streamlining growth, and more importantly for rural communities, you know, providing jobs, providing funding for these farmers and ranchers. Um, so I think that that's critical, you know, and I, I hate to say it, but, you know, at least in Texas, we, we only have a legislative session every other year because we don't like a lot of change when it comes to uh, policy and laws. However, what we're seeing at the federal level could actually bring some positives and some much needed funds to our state to address some of these critical issues. So it's, you know, I think that's definitely the main thing to watch. Um, and like I said, you know, with redistricting, just everyone keeping a watchful eye on who who stays in office, who's going to be running for office, and then holding those folks accountable as public servants to be our representatives to make sure that our state is stewarded at not only the state but federal level the the way that we think it should be. So um, that's what I would say. It's this is kind of a get out the popcorn and watch kind of moment, um, but it's it's also a very exciting time. Yeah, well, that was very well said. Do you have uh, any parting thoughts as we, as we wrap up today? Well, I do want to end with, you know, what where TREAD stands out um, <clears throat> is that we are actually three different entities. So we are a C3 that allows for all of our landowner education, our TREAD talks, our workshops. But then there's also a litigation arm that depending on a landowner's issue, we can help them navigate that at the legal level, which a lot of times landowners aren't necessarily savvy or know um, the steps to take for that additional protection of their property. Um, we are a C6 that is the direct advocacy and lobbying effort. And then we're also a PAC. So going back to, you know, making sure that we have the right people in office who are representing landowners in rural communities um, you know, we need to be able to put money behind folks um, to keep them in office or put them in office so they will advocate for us um, in the legislature. Um, and I think that's a real critical piece that um, I think nowadays people are starting to get a little bit more engaged in the political process and having a more, you know, advocacy grassroots approach, which is fantastic. But knowing that there are places like TREAD where you can give us support for us to then support um, those representatives on your behalf. Um, and then we hold them accountable. And that's really the most critical thing is, you know, making sure that, um, you know, these elected officials do what they say that they were going to do. Um, one of the things we implemented this last legislative session was um, a landowner champion award. So we were giving out awards and, you know, did a big splash on social media and really made these members feel warm and fuzzy for the good work that they're doing to um, protect these rural communities. And that's something that we will continue to do, but you know, you have to make sure that you're advocating for yourself and utilizing the resources that, you know, the organizations like TREAD, like TALT can provide um, and help us guide you. And even if we don't know the answers, we can help connect you to someone who does. Uh, and I think that that's really, the most critical thing at this point, you know, information and knowledge is power and we need to make sure that we're working together to empower um, landowners and rural communities to um, help steward their land the best. Well, thank you, Jessica and, and Tred and all, you know, all you do, right, for, for our private landowners and uh, 
and, and as you articulate so many ways that you're looking at it in multi facets and appreciate that and and now you're you know kind of expanded work into our rural communities i think is is exceptional as well so again thank you jessica um for spending a little time and sharing uh, sharing to the um listeners about tread and all your yeah. work thank you chad i really appreciate you having me on today this has been fun we'll have to do it again we will we will and uh we'll have to do another tread talk as well so again yes. uh yeah again i just want to highlight people to send them you know look up the tread talk it where's the best way or what's your uh, website jessica so our website is treadcoalition.org and we have a youtube page that hosts all of our uh tread talks and we have covered everything from eminent domain to water to rural health to conservation um i mean it really runs the gamut and we're just building upon that because there are so many different conversations to be had um, they're only an hour long, so it's not a total snooze fest, <laughs> um, but there's some valuable information there. Um, and then also we encourage folks to become a member of TREAD because that allows for additional landowner resources and just access to a whole wealth and breadth of additional knowledge and tools um, that you can have in your toolkit to best steward your land. Again, so I would I would run over there and start looking at some of those tread talks. So they're amazing. And uh, again, thanks again, Jessica. And uh, lastly, I just want to remind our listeners to rate and review our podcast to help spread the word of our working lands conservation. Everyone have a blessed one. Thank you. Thank you all. Beyond the Fence Line is brought to you by the Texas Agricultural Land Trust, dedicated to conserving the Texas heritage of agricultural lands, wildlife habitats, and natural resources. Find out more at txaglandtrust.org.